Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. 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 How are you this fine evening? Oh, I didn't get much sleep last night. No. Just, uh, were you, were you thinking about VR and Unreal Engine? and problems that I was having <laughs> with the fucking engine mm-hmm. when I'm building it and yeah. Yeah. Trevor and I have, have been working on a little bit of a project. We won't go into too much detail on it now, but it has to do with virtual reality and podcasting at a studio. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked about it a little bit before, maybe, but uh, who knows? But anyway, yeah, that's something to look out for. We're just dabbling. We're just having fun at the moment, but I'm picking up my 3D modeling skills again off the there's floor. some funny shit in there. <laughs> I've, I've Check had some out Twitter. <laughs> Check out Twitter. I think I might start posting some of the little the little props and things I've been doing, but uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. But that's not for now. No. This is episode 90, I believe, of Bitstorm. Holy gonna do- shit. Some click pitch. I How know the fuck did we get this? Ten it's away fun. from the big three dig digis digis. I was thinking three, uh, ten away from the big three zero zero. I'm like, no, I think you got your <laughs> mathematics wrong there, mate. <laughs> if we're lucky, we will record episode 100 at PAX if we kind of organise it correctly. Ooh, maybe maybe it'll be like a a master cut of all the stuff that we've sort of. Um, just, we'll just pick the best game from all previous 99 episodes <laughs> and put it all into one episode. And uh, it'll be- 10 hours worth of content. Yeah, something like that. All right. But enough jibber-jabber. Let's click some pitch. And uh, for those who maybe are just joining us here late in the game, click pitch is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three, two, one click, we each click refresh, get a new word, and put them next to each other. See what they look like. See what little ideas they spark in our minds. And uh, come up with a game design. So, shall we click? We shall. Three, two, and click. Accident. Running. A running accident. Okay, so my mind immediately went to a running track yep. where um, there's the starter's pistol, who's who happens to- um, you know, put it up in the air. As soon as he fires, fires it, he realizes it's not a starter's pistol. It's a real gun. So now it's just, okay. he accidentally like grabbed his real gun. So now you're just, <laughs> oh, God damn it. The starter's pistol was on my left hip. You're all just sort of running around, just trying to not get hit by the bullet. <laughs> so, so is this just kind of a wrinkle on a regular, I mean, not that there are that many like foot race games, but the rest of the game just plays out like a regular racing game, except that at some point a bullet is going to come down. Yeah. Um, I like that. I, to add something to it, my, my mind kind of went to, as, you know, when you think of foot races and running games, one of the one of the most obvious ones is co-op. But a multiplayer running game, like a multiplayer co-op, in, sort of in 3D, not so much exactly where you're, where you're moving each muscle, as mm-hmm. co-op sort of was, but I was almost thinking a game where you have to- Almost a bit of steppy pants, but not quite- you know what? You know how I think it would work. Actually, what? sort of a to- sort of a top downish or three quarter view where each person uses the two thumbsticks to control each of their legs, 
And so you're sort of moving one forward and then the other forward and then the other forward and then the other forward. But the legs are going to all go askew. You're pretty close together, so you can trip each other over. You can get tangled up, and that's kind of where the accident comes in. And so it's mm-hmm. sort of one of those physics-based games around running, or, you know, maybe a bit of mount your friends in there. There's a bit of surgeon simulator, you know. Yeah. So now I'm just picturing this is something that um, we were talking about off air. Now I'm picturing that they're like marionettes, and what you're actually doing uh-huh. is you're pulling, pulling like the string, at, uh, and that's that's really how how you get a move. Well, that's it. yeah. Well, so that's almost of, how um, I was picturing. That's almost how I was picturing the controls that they would act in that way. But you're saying they're actually marionettes. Marionettes, so you can actually attack people's strings and get tangled up in them, and. So I just had a I just had a weird idea. I like the idea of marionettes, but I was picturing now each person is that marionetting their own feet. <laughs> so there's still strings there that you can get like tangled up with each other, but you're holding your own strings. And so as they move, they're kind of doing that real like dorky like foot and like they're pulling their own foot up and putting it down, pulling their own foot. Up. I'm doing it right now. You can't see because this is a podcast, but yeah. um yeah, <laughs> picture some really amusing kind of animations around that. Okay, so be- throw a hundred characters in there in microtransactions, and you got a hit. Basically, what I, what I'm sort of seeing is, and this is coming back to a little bit of my ballroom dancing sort of stuff. Yeah, but normally when you when you walk, you have got like contra body movement, so you've got the opposite shoulder moving yeah. towards the opposite leg. Um, sure. So in this marionette game, you're actually doing same side of body sort of and and same leg going forward as you're trying to pull yourself forward. <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's going to be really awkward, jerky movement. Yep. Um, and you know you're gonna you're gonna go into other people's lanes, and you're gonna trip over, and the physics is going to take hold. And um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> what, what would we call it? Runny, runny runs. Oh no, that sounds like a different sort no, of game. Yeah. Okay, another wrinkle. It's Oculus. <laughs> oh God! And so you're actually marionetting your own? Because I was still thinking like your character's legs. <laughs> <laughs> you're oh marionetting well, your character's make legs. It, make it cross-play. Some people can play with their controllers and some people can play in VR. Why uh, not? Yeah. Okay. Three, oh, one, click. <laughs> yeah. Continental. Warranty. Warranty Warranty is a really boring word. <laughs> Particularly when it comes around, like, gameplay. I was thinking, okay- Thinking of some, something along the lines of a continental breakfast. I thought of that too. Yeah, go on. Um, and then I was thinking that you're trying to make coffee and have your continental breakfast, but the warranty's just run out on the toaster or the um or the or the kettle, and it's on the fritz. All right. So um, I'm just trying to think of like a, a, mini, a mini game of basically trying to trying to make your breakfast as quickly as possible. All right, for for this one, for this one, instead of going into it from a gameplay perspective, because I feel like we're struggling, yep. maybe we need to go into a story perspective where these things are triggers for the story. Okay. Now, maybe it's something like the warranty on this person's car ran out. Mm-hmm. They were going they were going to drive across Australia, but the warranty on their car ran out. So instead they had to get a plane and something happens on the plane. And now where Continental comes in is they're supposed to land in Perth. But 
it was hijacked or something. And so they have to keep going and they have to somehow keep refueling the plane to actually get somewhere or maybe like turn around. I don't know. I'm just, I, anyway, the idea is that they're stuck on this plane, I guess. And it's kind of a, I wasn't even supposed to be here today situation. <laughs> so it clerks. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's a, yeah, maybe it's a, well, all right, let's turn that around. Maybe it's a clerks type game where you are flight attendants, dialogue driven, serving continental breakfast on the plane because it. There you go. That's enough for continental breakfast. The plane is nearly at the end of its warranty periods. <laughs> do planes have warranties, do you think? <laughs> um, it's like, did they, buy, did they get the extended warranty on this 747? Okay, so it's all all sort of like the horror stories that you sort of hear, that you get different groups of people that, you know, one person's allergic to something, so you've got to remember that the person's allergic to that. And then- um, Yeah, the this person, other person is just wanted- ordering like 50 beers and getting belligerent. Yep. Um, you know, the couple who are fighting, the the kid who- The kid who's running just- up and down the aisles that you got to try and get yep. back into the seat. Yep. Um, so, how uh, how does the gameplay play out, though, to tell these stories? Like, you know, we said dialogue-driven. Is, is it sort of just a series of events where you're making decisions? Is there- I'm almost picturing a kind of a side-on 3D view, like where the, the plane is kind of cut in half- Okay. Um, and so you're sort of seeing, it's sort of cut down the center of like the, the closest aisle to the camera. So there's like yep. two aisles or, or maybe you, maybe you have the people who are on this side of the aisle too, I guess. But anyway, like the side is off the plane. And so you can sort of, you can, you really only like walk back and forth and you can sort of go into the far aisle or into the near aisle. And, you know, maybe there's some. So little heads up stuff to sort of give you a, a sense of um, like a mini, mini map sort of thing to know where how far along the plane you are, and yeah, it's almost maybe a bit of a, a time management thing where oh this person's pressed their light, but I'm in the wrong aisle and someone's got the drinks card out and the kids running down that aisle, so like you've got certain things you can do to try to get there on time. I think t- something that just popped into my head is yeah. this particular um, like airline. I see them sort of being a little bit sexist. Okay. So, I kind of like the idea that one of the air hostesses is actually the air marshal, but all right. But the um the airline was so cheap and so sexist that they made her her also be like an air hostess, dressed in the skimpy the skimpy sort of um skirt, but also having to look out for like any anyone doing something illegal as well. Um, I mean, I think you could probably get that sense of it just by, uh, like, maybe one of the interactions is with the air, with with an air marshal who's on the plane. Like, as you kind of- Because as you sort of play this game, you start to learn about the different people. And, you you know, you obviously- The people who are really annoying, you start to know about. But also, there are people who are friendly and you have conversations with. And one of them is maybe the air marshal. And they perhaps, like, tell you to keep an eye out for things. And that's sort of part of the story. Um, so I don't know that you need to go down the, like, contrive a way for, for for them to be looking for those sorts of things. I think it's better, probably a bit better. Yeah, it's it's just that, you know, your your flight attendant, male or female, like I think it's better to have a choice. Yeah, like that's part of it is is looking out for suspicious behaviour and kind of then it it becomes part of the conversation tree perhaps or, you know, I'm almost thinking, not full on point and click adventure, but you could have. Basic elements, sort of yeah. elements of like inventory puzzles and dialogue puzzles in there, 
Um, not like full on combine this to make that and, and, you know, puzzle tree all the way down, but it's more like, oh, to, to sort of get through this particular event, you need to get this one item and, and give it to someone. Yeah. And, and then you've, you've got the whole thing of catching, trying to look out for when the couple in the back row try to sneak into the, um, into the bathroom <laughs> yes, into to the join bathroom. the mile high, mile high club and definitely. Oh, now, now I'm picturing a, a puzzle that happened in, um, in Zach McCracken. <laughs> really? <laughs> the egg in Zach the microwave. <laughs> what, what, okay. It, it was, it was the answer to one of the puzzles in, in that thing where basically right. you as Zach McCracken had to go into the bathroom, stuff toilet paper into the, into the toilet and like flush it and then quickly run up to the other end and like chuck an egg into the microwave just so that you could like steal stuff out of the, um, out of the bins while the air hostess was Busy doing a whole heap of shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. So I'm just picturing you. You've got someone who's trying to make lots of lots of trouble that way, like trying to. Well, there you go. That can be an Easter egg. Like maybe at some point you do have to clean the toilet and then clear clean an egg out of a microwave. And people who have played Zach McCracken will get it. <laughs> um, check your bins or whatever, and something's missing. So one of the things I would like to see in this is like some sort of emergency sort of situation happen as well. Mm. So well, it kind could of be pitching really different cool. story threads, right? That that perhaps reach a certain point where they cross over or, or come together in some way. But yeah, maybe sort of part of the climax is is an emergency situation. Oh, what what it could actually be is you you play one character sort of who normally does like this route that goes from, say, um New York to Paris and Paris to New York. They're basically sure. your, your things that you do all the time. But this time, um, you've been swapped onto the, um, the Paris to London, London to LA or something like that. That just sort of, you start meeting a few different people. Like I, I can, mm. I can sort of imagine that you do the, um, the Paris, New York a couple of times. You get to know a couple of the people who go back and forth with yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so you start getting a bit of a, a handle on some of these people, but then when you get switched over, then something happens on this other flight. Right. That just- so you're sort of unfamiliar with it. And yeah. So you're saying this all happens in the game. So yeah. you have sort of different flights that different, different flights. stories happen on. And you can, you can basically ramp up like the difficulty sort of stuff that happens on the, yeah. on the plane. Like at first, all you, all you're worried about is like, this New York to Paris or whatever isn't super, super long, the flight. It's, you know, enough to, to sort of do a few drink services and that's about it. And But the London to LA or whatever is, you know, quite a few more hours. So you're actually doing dinner service in that and it right. adds, a, adds a little bit more yeah. hectic. I mean, New York to Paris is seven hours. Oh, is but- it? Yeah. Are you thinking more like European, in, like- Yeah, inter- maybe internal European. Internal European. Yeah. Like, so it's the, it's the London to Paris. Yeah. And then it's the, yeah, the Paris to New York or something. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's fine. But yeah. Okay. I, I like that. And I mean, I'm amused because we've basically turned this into very much the papers, please style cadence of, you know, which we tend to do a lot. And I think part of that is just because it works well for telling interesting stories in these sort of otherwise relatively mundane yep. jobs. Um, but yeah, I, I like that, that you sort of, You've got your regular flights for a few, you know, you do a few of your regular flights and it's just get to know some of the people that you see often and then you get switched up to a longer flight and, you know, some more challenging things start happening because, you know, people's tempers and, and anxieties and things get, um, in, you know, enhanced on a freaking long flight. Long flights are horrible. Have um, you done a few of those yourself? <laughs> I've done a few. I've done a few Melbourne to Canada via LA flights and uh, they are not pleasant. 
especially with young kids. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that idea. I think there's some really cool stuff you could do there. And yeah, I'm, I'm very much enjoying the, like, picturing that kind of side on 3D view. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I like some of the stories. Like, at one stage, you can actually have someone have a heart attack on the plane, and then you've got to sort of deal with. Yeah, you've got to run up to the front to the, the intercom and, like, see if anyone on the plane's a doctor or. You know, turn the plane around, maybe, if you if it happens at the certain time. or But if it happens in the middle of the Atlantic, then, well, guess what? you just got to keep going and you've yeah. got to put a blanket well, on, on the- Well, and then it's just in one of the story threads that's happening that you have to, like, check in on them and, and figure out, you know, make sure what's happening. But it's this real tense thing that- Check in if on you the don't panic do it right, and, yeah. they could die. Or they did die and you've you got to oh, put yeah. a blanket you've over them got, and- You've just got a corpse on the plane, yeah. Yeah. I've heard that that actually happens. They just they, they they just put a blanket over and oh yeah, I mean that's what they have to do, right? Yep. Can't really put them down in the cargo cargo hold. I don't think. Um, you could have stories about the the people who were afraid of flying, and then you you can take the story to the nth degree. I kind of like the idea of having the um having the crazy passenger transport, having um having like a Sam Jackson style character going get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane well again that's another easter egg is just you have to deal with snakes on a plane and there's a sam jackson style character just eating a bag of killer pythons <laughs> you know, outside of australia they're like what do you mean you have jelly snakes like no one else has them don't they or that's, jelly babies that's, that's up. that that's something that seems really weird to them like you'll, you'll talk about it and that's the order you guys you, you'll bring up jelly snakes and i'll be like what what do you mean jelly snakes it's like yeah they go really well with the jelly babies and they're just like what at, at least we know that the uk are, are normal and they've got they've got this sort of stuff as well yeah so that's okay okay three to one click let's do it noon carrier Noon made me think of High Noon, which made me think of the Wild West. Yeah, see, when I see Carrier, I'm either thinking, if you're talking High Noon, then you could be talking Carrier Pigeon, or where my mind went, because I've been watching so much fucking NCIS, is Aircraft Carrier. All right, so there's an Aircraft Carrier that goes back in time to the Wild West. (laughs) (laughs) They just fly fly planes out and- (laughs) Um, yeah, that could work. Let's- the, the only other carrier my mind went to was, like, mail carrier, and so maybe there's, like, a Pony Express kind of element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be- maybe- oh, no, they did this on Cool Game Sync. <laughs> what? I was going to say maybe it's Burnout with Horses, but I'm pretty sure they did that on CGI. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> It's not even. I literally came up with that independently until I, and then I made that connection because I was liking the idea. I was trying to figure out, like, all right, Pony Express racing, like going, just having to go really fast on a horse. That's going to get pretty boring. All right, maybe you have to race other horses, but it's still in this world. And then I was thinking, like, open world racing, burnout horse, and it's like, fuck, god damn it. Uh, (laughs) Um, All right, all right. Um, What's noon got to do with an aircraft carrier? Then I'm thinking that. Your shift finishes at noon. Okay. And so- So, this is another sort of everyman kind of story about just a private in the in the Air Force or something. Private or a petty officer or- Or whatever the fucking- I don't, Yeah, I don't know if they have privates in the Air Force. I think it's probably the army, but- Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of, kind of like the idea that the captain invites you into, into the office and he gives you basically a a mundane set of tasks that you have to do. 
that it, that actually sort of get you embroiled in in like something's happening um on the carrier that maybe maybe there's um i don't know whether you, whether you go terrorists or whether you just go like there's some shady deals that are sort of happening where like um in the armory people are basically um replacing the missiles with with duds so that they can sell it off or to pirates on the sea or something like that i mean that's probably more likely yeah internal corruption rather than actual terrorists yep so on an aircraft carrier yes does the navy or the air force like run the ship i guess the navy, navy but don't forget then, the navy actually have pilots as well so right for those seaplanes <laughs> no, for jets and shit. Like if you if you think of um, Top Gun, I'm pretty sure they were actually Navy because it was naval commander. For uh, Tom Cruise was a naval commander. He did have command over that naval. Um. Anyway, whatever. I don't give a shit. It's beside the point. Um. All right. So you're sort of yeah, trying Cru- to Cruise plays expose- Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell, a young naval aviator. So yes, it's all Navy. That's dumb. Why do they even have an Air Force then? Anyway, all right. So, you're trying to expose corruption on this carrier. Mm-hmm. And so, the drama comes from obviously being in a relatively confined space out in the middle of the ocean. Are you then a- Are you a pilot? Or are you not there yet? Are you training to be a pilot? Um, I think that maybe you are training to be one. I think if we're setting this on an aircraft carrier, there should definitely be some flying mechanics at some point. Yeah. I, th- I think so too. <laughs> what just, Ooh, ca- maybe. What just mm-hmm. came into my Go head ahead. is yeah. um, Battleship the movie, the game. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck off. We're not doing another one of those. <laughs> no, what I was just thinking, because we haven't really done a, we haven't done anything around plane, like flying games particularly. Um, that's an area mostly unexplored by us. Do you remember the, what was that really good Xbox One? Not Xbox One, the Xbox game on the original Xbox the plain one that everybody looked Crimson Skies. Never played it. It's it's like a story based um, flying game, like dogfighting, attacking ground targets. Cool. I like. My thought was though that yes, you start on an aircraft carrier. Yes, you aren't a pilot, but something happens, and you're like the the only one who's got anything close to any sort of pilot training left alive. Okay, and so now you are the pilot for this thing and you're like having to go on missions and stuff, but you've gotten a fuck all training and you're like learning on the fly, uh, pun intended. Okay. I really like this. What it is, is if you remember back in the day, LucasArts did these amazing series of game games, basically the X-Wing series and TIE Fighter. Yes. They did a game called X-Wing Alliance. Now- Yes, that was a more- that was a 3D- it was like a later one, right? Yeah. Full 3D. The later one had had a story that you basically- you worked in a- um, basically almost on a farm as such, doing doing basic um, basic jobs for your family, and then you get embroiled in something, and then, like, you join the Rebel Alliance. Well, I'm thinking- Yep. You start off flying a crop duster, like, at home. Okay. So okay. you've got basically a biplane sort of thing, and you're just dusting crops, and that's how you're learning how to um how to do plane maneuvers and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and then you've got to get all that all that dust off those crops. Yes, a little duster. So then, when you finally join the um the navy, something happens, and you're the 
you're the only one with flying experience, so then you start getting missions in there where you're, you're doing just faster versions of, of what you've already sort of done, like having to fly off and, like, hit a target and and fly yeah. back, and then you can- I like that general- I like that explanation for why they've got some- um some experience. I kind of like the idea, though, of the player being thrown right into it as this mostly unexperienced person. So, where- give, it, give it one crop dusting mission right at the very start and then, like, turn the speed up to 11. <laughs> well, I'm not saying make it super difficult. I meant- I may- I more meant from- Yeah, Spinal Tap, I get it. I'm more meant from a story point of view so that you're thrown right into the action. So, maybe there is a bit of, like, did you ever play the Wing Commander games? Yes. Long, yeah. long, long time and ago. And I mean, I think maybe the- I don't know, I can't remember if the X-Wing games had a bit of this as well, but you always had, like, story stuff that happened on the- sh- like, your main ship and on the station in between, and you could go to your different- your different rooms and talk to different people and, like, do your training and stuff. Yeah, you didn't have so much of the talking, but you definitely still had uh, running threads that went between the missions and also, yeah. like, there was some- basic story happening yeah. on, on the So, I'm ship. thinking this starts off that you are on the carrier, the aircraft carrier, and, um, you know, you're a whatever, petty officer, whatever it was, um, fairly low ranked, but you do have this crop dusting experience, and that just comes up in conversation. Uh, and so, the start is, you know, relatively low key, but quite quickly, something happens, and there's been like, maybe it's a fucking civil war. Right? Like, that's the most likely war for America to be involved in anytime soon. Well, that's not true, but, no. um, no. let's make them, let's make those, let's make them fight themselves. And a civil war in this day and age is going to be fucking bombs and devastating, whatever, right? Like, whoever can get control over the military equipment that, that, like, every fucking police department has, uh, <laughs> uh they're going to, they're going to, you know, th- be the ones on the front lines. I so, can't, I you're can't like out the there idea. kind of off the coast of, I don't know, fucking California. I don't know where they do this shit, but um, on this aircraft carrier, you're just out there doing training stuff. You're a fairly new recruit, but civil war breaks out while um, while you're you're out there. California, being the left leaning state that it is, just fucking is the first to be attacked by the right wing military fuckwads, and you uh, you're recruited by like some of the people who are defending California, but as Okay, so maybe it's not right away then that you're the only person with this experience, but I think you are thrown immediately in because there are limited people who can fly the planes on the on the ship. Okay, so I'm picturing that before the Civil War happened, you've already gone out to sea. Yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah. they yes. get word that the Civil War has broken out, and all of a sudden you have all these pilots who are right wing sort oh, of people yeah. who just sort of start turning on. On say the left, yeah, but they'll they'll get put in the brig pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, so so you're you're like one of seven people who are who are left leaning who have piloting experience. So you yeah. you have basically that sort of that conflict happening on the carrier yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, you could do some really interesting story stuff there, where you know, depending on who finds out first, which is going to depend on their rank and stuff, some like backstabbing and betrayal and. But yeah, it all plays out, and and the sort of the the left leaning folks come out ahead on this particular carrier, and then make contact with with their compatriots um, on the on the on land. Um, yeah, I, I 
quite like that. I think, yeah, I think, um, some of the missions that you can do is like, um, simple bombing runs, um, yeah, I think you got bombing, bombing um, runs, dogfighting. You can be like dropping, um, dropping people off who are going to parachute in for like covert missions. So you can like fly low, you know, maybe you get a stealth plane. Maybe, maybe part of it is stealing the stealth plane because you um, can have some like on ground stuff too, maybe, or. Maybe you just help someone steal the stealth plane, but I'm picturing a um a refueling mission in which yeah. Air Force One is having having some trouble flying, uh, flying away. Like they got they got hit in there. They don't have much fuel left, so you got to sort of like get into those aerial now, sort of positions. And depending on who's president, <laughs> you can decide whether or not to save them. <laughs> um, or well, maybe it's just that you need to like may- maybe refuel Air Force One so you can escort. Them to military prison. Maybe it's one of these one of these things where that he belongs. The problem about the civil war is that um, basically the left have had so much like had enough of the right, so they basically seceded from the United States, sort of thing. And so they yeah. both got presidents. <laughs> right. Okay. So so do they have Air Force One and Air Force One A? <laughs> How do they differentiate? How do they distinguish? Um, yeah. You got a blue plane and a red plane, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got the like the announcer from Team Fortress. <laughs> it all just turns into red versus blue. Awesome. Well, I reckon that's yeah, pretty good. Leave I that like one that there. a lot. That's that's cool. Three to that's one really cool. Arithmetic. You gotta keep them separated. Separate. Which one of those words? Okay. <laughs> um, separate arithmetic. It's just a game where you actually teach the um, the ideas of separating out, you know, the brackets, the um, the of, the <laughs> multiplication and division and addition and subtraction. And so that you teach all those people who just really don't know how to do them on all those Facebook fucking pages. Oh, God. How to actually fucking calculate math. <laughs> maybe this is not- maybe it's not separate, maybe it's separate. Like, this is a separate form of arithmetic. <laughs> like, the secret- form of arithmetic that the aliens kept kept from us. They actually in, in in alien arithmetic they have base thirty two. Interestingly enough, uh they have base banana. Um, <laughs> and everything's just a fruit. <laughs> it's it's base fruit. That's right. Bananas are ones because they're kind of sort of shaped like a one. Like a phallus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's not relevant, apples, but, it's, apples are but two it's true. Because you use they're two kind of, of shaped like balls. breasts. <laughs> so it's just this, it's just this like 13 year old version of, of arithmetic, but they also really like fruit. <laughs> three already looks like testicles, so you don't even need to do anything with that. So it goes banana, apple, three. <laughs> oh, God. Um, right, I think we click again. Yeah, click again. Given. Personality. So, my mind went immediately to Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. Ooh. I like. <laughs> for those who haven't seen that, the general idea is that for money, these people, mostly attractive people, <laughs> get their brains scooped out, metaphorically, and- become a blank slate for them to then project new personalities on and they basically go out and do particular jobs. Um, so, these personalities give them skills and 
different things and they sort of create them out of whole out of out of other people's personalities and merge them together into what they need i really don't know why someone didn't ever try to create a game of this because this would be fucking awesome so yeah how how do you think you'd play like would you just play one of the dolls yeah it's basically like a cross between hitman and a point and click adventure game okay you get given a a something that you got to actually do and that yep. that could be you know escort this person to to the ball so you yep. escort the person to the ball you have conversations and as you're there as per normal something goes completely awry and you start being able to and you're like oh shit they gave me combat skills they knew this was going to happen <laughs> yeah or or you you have a look at your your skill tree and you realize you have no combat skills oh i like that idea of like every time you go out on a mission you can check your skill tree and it's just completely different yeah but it's like a regular compute like game skill tree. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you could really play with the video game aspects of it too. But the good thing is if as your character goes on and gets more personalities, what happened, spoiler, 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 in the TV show is that Eliza Dushku's character started actually being able to pull back on recall, recall yeah. some of the um the previous skills that she had. Yeah. And so the idea being that as you go on, there's a glitch that could actually happen, and all of a sudden you get these extra co- uh, combat skills that you didn't have. Oh, before. I like that. I like that as a gameplay mechanic, or a st- or a story mechanic. But I'm trying to think if you could work that in as a as a gameplay mechanic, where at certain points you can basically graft a section of a skill tree from a previous character onto your own for a limited amount of time. This could work really well as an RPG, actually. Yeah. Because then you can really go down a bunch of different skill trees where you've got sort of conversation and, and, and um, personal interaction type stuff. You've got combat type stuff. You've got like just other general skills that may come in handy uh, on a mission. Original- For the first few missions, someone gives you the personality that you're going to actually have for the mission. Yeah, definitely. I think even the first. I think even the first few missions. Because, well, I'm trying to think whether you can bring in some of the memory loss stuff. Uh, because in in the in the show, you know, in between missions, they were just kind of in this in this blank state where they were in this nice sort of spa like environment and just walked around blankly and yep. did their basic primitive functions. Maybe you don't let them see that for uh, for until like three missions have passed. So all they see, they start this game, and they're right in the action, and they've got like a half decent skill tree. They can do a bunch of stuff. They finish that mission. Fades to black. Fades back up. Different mission. Completely different yep. skill tree. You look the same. Different cost. Different clothes. Different skill tree. And you're like, what the fuck? And Why? then you got to figure out how to apply those skills to this situation. And and they could be so- somewhat mix uh, mishmashed. As in, you know, they're not they're not quite matching what how you wanted to play because it's very very different from the previous one. Oh, I like that. I like that idea that you put them through the whole like a character creation, including picking their skills for that first mission, and just make the mission general enough that any of them will work, and then they're just wiped out. Yep, they're just gone. But after those first two or three missions, then you start bringing in the in between stuff, and that's representing the fact that they're starting to remember and kind of build their own internal personality on that blank slate, which is sort of what happened on the show. But they're basically, um, I think the. The things that they actually get back when they um when they're in this sort of environment are their original skill tree that they built up. Yes, exactly. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. That 
yeah, then as the glitching starts happening or as the recall starts happening in later missions, not only can you pull from the ones that are just part of the story, but then that original skill tree that you built up at the beginning during your character creation, you're, you start getting some of those back. Yeah. So, it's actually just a really interesting way to expose the player to a bunch of different skills- And play styles. Throughout the game and play styles, but also allow them to have a relatively somewhat traditional- Because I think at the beginning, you just let them- yeah, like choose out the whole skill tree, but then that comes back slowly. You know, more in line with a regular, with a traditional game. Kind of, kind of reminds me of um, if you remember Prototype, how you were sort of really, really powerful at the very start, and then it sort of all gets stripped away, and you sort of build it up again. But the idea of it being you choose choose your um your skill tree, and then that gets completely wiped, and a new skill tree comes in. Yeah, I really like. Kind of like the mind fuck that'll happen with the character going, I just spent all this time building this character. They've taken it away from me, but it seems like to suit what's going on here. I need to look into this a bit more. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, what's your character's name? Because Echo. they all use- Well, no, I don't think you play as Echo. <laughs> We've got to choose something else Alpha. from the NATO. <laughs> well, those are just ones that were already used. Well, Sigma used, I can't remember. Sigma's- No, they were, I think- Pretty sure they were from the NATO alphabet, which I'm looking at right now. Um, so, they used Alpha. They mm-hmm. used Sierra. They used Tango? Was Tango- Yeah, Tango was used. Um, that was- uh, Victor. They used Victor. Wasn't Tango- um, What's her name from Angel? Fred? Oh, yeah. No, she was Whiskey. Whiskey. She was Whiskey. Right. So, maybe you could- I think maybe you could be Tango. We could use Tango. We could just- There's some that are just- We could use Oscar. It'd just be Oscar. Although you probably want to be, if we're doing RPG, you probably want to be um, gender neutral. Sierra, that's that's what I was thinking, not Sigma. Yeah, Foxtrot. There you go. <laughs> Your name yeah, is Foxtrot. I'm, I'm just I'm just picturing the person called Foxtrot. Literally does like ballroom dancing of a Foxtrot. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's one of, that's in the skill tree. Ballroom dancing is in the sk- skill tree. That that's actually kind I of. I mean, awesome. it would be. It would be. There, they had a lot of like. Jobs where you'd have to go into a fancy environment and, and seem upper class or whatever. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. That's cool. You could you could do something really cool with- uh, Yeah. I feel like I say that at the end of every game. We need a better, we need a better way to move from one game to the other. Um, no, I, I think there definitely should have been a dollhouse game. And uh, that's how they should do it, because we are the experts. Coach, one click. Motor. Foreigner. This is a car enthusiast game, I mean, which I know nothing about. But I was just thinking of foreign cars. If only the other, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't go on, like, with the road trip game. Because all that's coming into my head right now is, like, a road trip in which it's set in, like, the 80s. And, there's, <laughs> and you're like, listening to Foreigner? No, there's a tape that's stuck in the tape player that is only <laughs> Foreigner. Like, it's the best of Foreigner. Is the game, like, based around the band Foreigner? Well, what I was actually- What came into my head is in this sort of um, best of- I don't even know whether they've got a best of Foreigner, but I'm, I'm kind of I'm seeing sure it they do. kind of like um, Dark Side of the Moon. You know, how people They've try been and- active for 40 years. Yeah. People people try to put Dark Side of the Moon up up and, like, see whether, like, things happen in the um mm. in the world- Oh, in, in the in movies that sync like up, like match up, yeah, that match up. Well, I'm I'm picturing that as you go in this game, things start matching up with the lyrics of 
of the best of foreigner. Well, so I was thinking of that. I like the idea <laughs> of a game because the whole thing with um, with Dark Side of the Moon is just it's a pretty long album. It's got some interesting themes in it, and so you 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 whatever you put in the background, you see some level of synchronicity. Yep. And obviously, it matches up better to some things than others. One that I, I can think it. of is Paul Blart More Corp 2. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, because Griffin did it with um, Till Death Do Us oh, Blart. Oh, he did. That's last right. Year. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but my point is that confirmation bias is a powerful thing. <laughs> yeah. And so, I kind of like the idea of a somewhat story-based game where you- you literally just put an out al- like put an album on in the background. You don't actually try to make it line up to anything. <laughs> you just let the audience, you just let the player notice things that seem to line up to them, and they'll think you're amazing. <laughs> the thing is, they let you put on anything, like as in uh, kind of similar to the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack idea that you just put in your own your own songs into. Oh, you just you can just put in any song. Any album, any song, and- And so, how do you make- sh- Like, how do you- Because I was thinking you specifically choose an album that- That at least, like Dark Side of the Moon, has some level of- Just a lot of things to build off of, and interesting lyrics and stuff. I guess you could make a game where the characters are just pointing out particular moments and reminding you to, hey, does that match up with the song? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, saying that that matches up with the song, and if- And someone goes, oh, what did they just say? Oh, yeah, they said- baby and there's a baby in this scene that's right it did match up wow how did they do that <laughs> <laughs> and you just put babies in all- there's a lot of babies in this game um there's a lot of love they're uh, singing about alexander hamilton and look there's a ten dollar <laughs> note <laughs> exactly there's money <laughs> basically this is a cold reading game <laughs> but you tr- but you're training the player to be a cold reader <laughs> reverse cold reading <laughs> Alright, three, two, one, click. Yeah. Fairness. Alright, fairness. Mine is tap. Now, I like tap because I feel like it's got a lot of flexibility in how it could be interpreted. Verb, noun, multiple verbs, multiple nouns. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe just one noun. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Fairness and tap. Well, you keep you keep bringing up your ballroom dancing, so Tap's got me thinking of tap dancing. Ugh. <laughs> oh, I've I've hit a nerve. <laughs> tap dancing. I'm a ballroom dancer. We don't fornicate with those those people. <laughs> fornicate. I I meant a different word, but you don't fornicate either. <laughs> fraternize is what I meant. <laughs> so you meant fraternize, not fuck with. <laughs> I meant be friends with, not get it on. Tap, tap. I wonder how a tap dancer fucks. Let's like, get it on. They'd be pretty- Well, I rhythm. know how a ballroom dancer fucks. Slowly and with grace. I don't know. With gusto. With gusto. <laughs> and hip with movements. A ro- <laughs> with a rose in their mouth. Do you do, like, tangos? Yeah, but not usually with a rose. Well, that's just not good enough. Uh, all right. Um, tap fairness. Well, maybe this game is about the rivalry <laughs> between ballroom dancers and tap dancers. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now, now I'm just pic- I'm picturing like 
Have you ever seen the movie Step Up? I haven't, but I know the general yeah. idea. So I- I'm picturing that you got like this gang of ballroom dancers and this gang of like tap dancers who who like meet meet in the middle for like dance battles, but the dance battles are like tap dancing and ballroom dancing. Yeah, <laughs> I love that idea. It's just like that's it. You're going down. And then they stop and there's like, I don't know what a fucking boring dancing song sounds like. They're doing like Paso Doble, so like really, really- Of course, yeah. You know, really strong. And then, you know, they tried doing some other tap thing and it's like, then these people start doing a jive or, you know, some sort of some sort of other Latin dance. It's all Latin that I'm going to. The ballroom dancers out there are loving it. Um, I'm loving I don't know it. Any, so. I don't know. I don't know any of that terminology. But no, I. So, what's the gameplay? Is this like a real time strategy game? <laughs> or oh no, like a tactics game? Yes, because then <laughs> what? You don't like tactics? You games? know, I don't like tactics games. No, I didn't. I know you don't like management games. <laughs> you know I don't like real-time strategy. You know like, I don't like management games. Well, Trevor, that- Real-time that strategy cre- and management are very similar to, oh, I don't know, tactics games. That creates a big hole in our possible games. So, we're doing a tactics game. Because <laughs> it's because perfect- Because we've never done one before. Because we've never done before. It's perfect because, like, it, cr- it means the ballroom dancers particularly will have very specific move movements they can do, right? For, mm-hmm. p- for particular moves that will, like- you know, move two steps that way and one step that way is this move and moving two steps forward is that move. And then doing this sort of attack is like, you know, spin your partner and do-si-do. I know you don't do-si-do. It's fine. Um, and then the tap dancers, they've got a bit more flexibility in how they move. Because they're not having to move with a partner. <laughs> they're not having to move with a partner and they're not kind of like, they're, they're not kind of having to do specific, like, I feel like there's a bit of sort of a chess element on different sides because a ballroom dancer, to do a specific move, is sort of a, a more sweeping move, right? And so they're going to move further with it or yep. in specific directions, whereas tap dancers kind of can just move wherever. But maybe it's about the surfaces they can move on. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to stay on hard surfaces. So if, if they if they um, go into grass, then they can't make the, make the tap noise anymore. So Yeah, like they lose power. Like there's some sort of power in their dance. And and I think tap dancing is about swarming a bit more because the louder the tap, the more powerful they are. Um, so keeping them together, uh, or like in certain configurations, is going to give you different moves or better moves or, or buffs or something. Mm-hmm. Now, who who would do well from having the higher ground? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> what are their attacks? How do they attack each other? I guess do they just like. I guess you've got moves in ballroom dancing where you kind of put a hand out, right? So maybe yeah. it's just like you slap them well, in the back of your hand. It's like as elbowing. You swing by. It's um, you got a ronde, which is kind of like a foot sweep. You've got um, well, you've got actual kicks like that you can that you can do. So you've got a right. lot of attacks in um, yeah, in ballroom and and then and then on the tap side, it's all about rhythmic attacks. So um, it's sort of. You know, tappity tappity punch, tappity punch, tappity punch punch, sort of thing. Kickball change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when uh, I say kickball j- change, I'm talking about I kick, mean, groin. Kicking. And, yeah. Yes. Yes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of on I love it, it now. You came, you came around on it. I came, came around, around on it. it. All right. Cool. 
Um, Three, two, one, click. Yeah, I, got, I reckon we've got time for one more. Let's make yeah. it a good one. All right. Empty. General. The empty general. He's emotionally empty. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't have to be a general like a person. It could be- General store. General, or it could general be- store. An empty general store. It could be a tactics game in a general store. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, my, my mind immediately goes to, like, in this general store, like, it's the story of maybe the people that owned it. Like, they're closing it down sort of thing. Like it's the- All right. We're doing one of these. We're doing one, one of, of these, these again. Sob stories. All right. And yeah, no, okay. It's I, kind I, of I like- Big business has come in. Big business has come in, and it's the story of this of this older couple who- are now selling up their store. But then- Sure. You you get, like, the flashbacks to, like, the 1950s when the previous owners, like, owned it and, and these two were, were workers in the place. And then they eventually- All right. Just to really make the story a bit more interesting and less heteronormative, let's make it a gay couple. Okay. Because then you could tell some really interesting things around, like, having to be in the closet and keep their love secret- during the 1950s and-, then, and- Yeah, like, in, in yeah, exactly. But then as, you know, it became more acceptable, like, part of the whole story is it all revolves around this store, but you see them being able to celebrate their love uh, as, as you know, maybe sort of come the 80s, 70s or 80s, uh, depending on what area of town this, uh, <laughs> this general store's in, probably. Uh, but having to put up with, you know, homophobic violent behaviour and- and then, yeah, like getting to the end, the end point being the current time where they just, they can't, this store can't survive anymore because it's surrounded by like seven Walmarts. <laughs> so you're thinking America rather than like- I, I was- mean, that's where the most homophobic violence is. <laughs> no, that's uh, not true, actually. I, I, was, but- I was actually thinking, you know, it could be set in Sydney. And- All right, we can do Australia. Because then, you, then you've got- So it's um- surrounded by our Woolies and two Coles. Okay, so yeah, if it's if it's in Sydney, then yes, Woolies. But if it's in Victoria, then you can have like Safeway and Franklin's <laughs> and Coles. Because I'm, there's I'm a always brashes. thinking <laughs> there's a brashes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what what I'm sort of picturing is around the store sort of closes around um, around the time where the gay community was sort of just being accepted in Sydney culture with like. The gay, gay and lesbian Mardi Gras and that sort of stuff. Yeah. In that, I mean, it's still not as as accepted as what you'd really like it to be, but- Well, we did just have a fucking useless plebiscite. At least, you know, 60% of the people who, who actually wrote in had a bloody brain. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Growing, um, growing up with family members who are, who are gay, you know, it's just been part of my life, the- the whole time, it's yeah. like it's always been normal to to have an uncle who's gay. So it was like, I don't get what what's wrong. You know, if he wants to get married, he should be able to get married. That's of course, it's it's an It's <laughs> but anyway, yes. I so you're thinking that we don't, we don't even go to modern day. We kind of go into like the 80s and 90s, and that's where it ends. Yeah, I mean, you could you could mm. tell you know some stories about you know the whole AIDS epidemic. You could tell some stories about all these other sort of things that, that sort of happened. Oh, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely some powerful- I mean, that's- I mean, not that there aren't powerful LGBT, LGBT stories happening right now, but, um, you know, the, the sort of- the real 
crux of it. A lot of that happened in the 70s to 80s. Oh, God. Now my mind is just saying, no, we're going to set this in Tasmania. Oh, jeez. Because of, because of the whole, um, you know, up until like 90, 1996, it was illegal to be to be gay. <sighs> Why do we live in this fucking country again? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, may- maybe you can yeah. choose what state you <laughs> Oh, God, and it changes things? No, I think it'd have to be more heavily, yeah. heavily promoted um, than that, but- I know, it, it really opened my eyes a little while ago when I found out that Tasmania had, like, a law like that. And, in fact, in some places, you know, um, some people still haven't been, um, still haven't had their, their, like, arrest records expunged. <sighs> like, that was supposed to, supposed to be allowed. Like, well, it's- I mean, this is somewhat off topic, but on a similar note, Fucking abortion is still illegal in Queensland and, uh, I think, uh, New South Wales. God. Yeah. So, there's that. Mm. Good job, Australia, you fuckers. All right. And um, because it had to be fucking Sydney and Queensland. <laughs> we are we are a bit more progressive here in Victoria and we have a good premiere at the moment. But Everybody voting back in in November, please. Actually, vote for Greens, but their preferences will go to Labor anyway, so- well, All right, so at the end of this episode, we've got will go very- to Labor if you write them down, or they'll go to whoever the fuck you want, because that's the well, way yeah, that's should true. be but That's true, but generally, yes. Hello, this is Politicast Australia. I'm <laughs> Bensley. Uh, yeah, anyway. I, I, I really like this idea. Uh, I do like our story-based ideas that we do with this, and I think it's- I think it's, uh, there are a lot of great stories to be told there. Um, it'd be really interesting actually to bring in some of them, some more trans stories, which, uh, you know, were probably not told as strongly or have not been told as strongly during the same time period. Uh, cause they tend to be kind of left out. Yeah, they do. Of, uh, of the history around that sort of thing. But yeah, I like the idea that it all kind of revolves around this general store. You see their love blossom. You see, um, them struggle through that time. You see them sort of take over the store. And get you know, there's a real community that builds up around it, and it fucking you, you see the know. occasional like bigot sort of uh, throw a brick through a window sort of thing. Exactly, and- I was about to say like you have some huge drama where someone bloody yeah, I was going to say like firebombs it or something. That might be a bit too <laughs> a bit too much, but yeah, I think that's Spray really interesting. paint on the um on the windows and the doors and stuff. Yeah, and, and it could be, and the ending like. I think it would be a really interesting bittersweet ending where the end of this store, because it just can't survive anymore in this modern climate, juxtaposed against the fact that while things are not as good as they should be, they are able to- Like, maybe it ends and that this- We are thinking of ending it earlier. Maybe maybe it's set in Canada so we can do this. Um, Maybe it ends with, like, same-sex marriage being legalized. And so, there's sort of this- They can finally get married at, like- you know, seventy years old or something. Okay, how about how about this for for a slightly slightly different um, slightly different way of presenting the game? Still, mm. still the same idea. Basically, the entire thing is one still shot. Uh, okay. So you have a single shot that you see the counter, you see some shells oh, off so to the side. Oh, you're not saying it's frozen. You just mean the camera doesn't move the whole time. The, the camera doesn't move the entire time, and you can basically, like, the aesthetic changes and that sort of stuff, but the mm. actual- it's almost as if it's this constant security camera footage, but, you know, high-def security camera yeah. that you just see all the different things, and over the end credit sequence, you basically- you see off in the corner, like, a spider creating a web, 
and basically <laughs> just. Well, although no, I really like that idea. I really like that idea. I think fixed camera, whether it's a whether it's a security camera or not, I don't know. But yeah, you can do you, some real cool time lapse stuff, like in between the sort of different segments that you have of of story. You get these awesome like time lapse segments of of sort of things changing and around the, the, the store way that you can tell you, the way that you can tell like it's in the sixties is they come in in like hippie sort of outfits. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, all the like it'd be a hell of a job for an environment designer, but um, they could have a lot of fun with it too. You know, all the posters change, all the products change over the decades. You know, there's so much that changes. Obviously, the fashions change. The people who uh, regulars like. You know, grow up and change, and, and coming into the flock of seagulls haircut, and totally like, yeah, fucking happy pants. I don't know. <laughs> kids dressing 80s. up as kids dressing up in in different Star Trek uniforms over the years. Um, <laughs> I like that one a lot. Yeah, you've just got this. Like, well, maybe it's just one character who's really into Star Trek, and you get to see all the different. Like, he just gets into every every show as it comes out. Yeah. It's just this, like, then after Enterprise, he's just like, fuck Star Trek. And then later. <laughs> and then he comes in, in, in like, a Jedi outfit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, when when the prequels come out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, fuck Star Wars. <laughs> and then uh, and then the reboot of Battlestar Galactic comes out. Uh, so, yeah, no, no, I like that a lot. But I love the idea of the the only- the only cat, like, you have this fixed camera the whole time, and then the last scene is them, like, walking out the door, and the camera follows them. Like, the camera does this great move outside. It's like sunset. Oh, man, I'm giving myself tingles. <laughs> like, I love that idea of just that, of a game that's just had that fixed camera the whole time, told this amazing love story. Uh, and, what I, what I kind of see- And then just, like, leaves, is, you know, they leave the store together. Is maybe- what what they actually do is they come over and pick up whatever the item is that you you're watching from the view of no i like the idea that it's just it doesn't have to be an actual object doesn't have to be i, I don't think so like even if it, even if it seemed like a a security camera the whole time that like you can break that at the end just to have that moment right like cuz that that almost makes it even more powerful but yeah just having that moment of them like walking out and holding each other's hands or something and the store's done but Oh, and you know, you see their fucking ring. You see the rings on their fingers. Ah, oh. they they switch off the light, and then like the camera sort yeah, of yeah, they're just like silhouetted in the door. Just, yeah, just follows. God damn, that's awesome. I like it. I Fuck like yes. it a lot. I like these narrative games, and and what what you can like be somewhat controlling is is you know one of the characters you've you've got their their conversations, but only you're only controlling whatever they can do in the general store. Store itself. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I think with a game like this, uh, you, you can you don't even have to provide. I mean, obviously, you have interactions every day, and there are things you can do around. And I think it's just conversations, though. And you know, you just limit the sorts of things people can interact with at, at any time. Um, so you know, when when shit does go down and someone throws a brick through the window, you know, the character ducks down behind, and the you know you, you sort of have to make them crawl to the other side where the phone is and try to call the police or call their partner. Or, or whatever, like you, you maybe have a few different options, and each scene could maybe go, you know, some of the scenes could go in different ways and, and alter the story a little bit. But yeah, I, I think it's more about the storytelling and just the gameplay comes from you've got some control over over what they do and in what order they do things. And yeah, some things could sort of branch the story in slightly different ways. 
I mean, maybe you could have different endings. You could have a horribly tragic ending, ending where you know one of them dies. Or what, what I kind of like is is in in the camera view, like just say on the bottom left, you see a stack of newspapers, right, and you can sort of read the um the headlines. The headlines. You can't see what date it is, but you can at least see the basic yeah. basic part of the headline. Yeah, and yeah, that's the only sort of thing that you get the idea of, and they could actually. Yeah, be- again, I think it could be. I mean, not. Subtle as such, but it's environmental. Um, you're not you're not popping up a you know a thing that says 1979. You're just like showing showing events on the newspaper, and you're showing it in the fashion and in the the, the decor and and the events. Yeah, and yeah. and I think by actually having like real headlines that that existed in those times, sort yeah, of like could, when yeah. when Nixon got impeached and all that sort of stuff. Mm. You know, you could actually have something like that. On, on your on your newspaper, and you know you just don't call attention to it. Yeah, it's for totally. people to just see the Easter eggs and yeah. Oh god, I mean, like I said, an environmental designer could have a field day with Easter eggs and oh yeah, little little homages to to actual products and things from the time or actual posters. You know, it's a general store. Like they're going to have advertising up everywhere, and I'm just picturing all those like streets ice cream or whatever you know advertisements that you'd see in a milk bar or whatever in in <laughs> Victoria. Particularly for sending Australia, I mean that could be interesting in Australia for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because um, you know it does vary a bit from the American narrative around LGBT rights and different things. Mm. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. It's really cool. It is okay. I All reckon right. that'll do for today. On that heartwarming note, I think we shall finish up. Uh, thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm. If you want to find us online. We are on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, we are Bitstorm, Bitstorm, Bitstormcast on all those. We have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Bitstorm. Nobody's in there. Come and join us. <laughs> Post something. Because we certainly don't. Because <laughs> we do not. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. We might be starting to post some more things there as we experiment uh, with our super secret project. Uh, search for Bitstorm. I think maybe you'll find us. I don't know. It's a tough one. But if you really do want to find us, go to Podchaser. Our YouTube link is there. Podchaser.com slash Bitstorm. Uh, and I will just mention this week because Podchaser is my site. And we just released early access sign up to our creator profiles, which is our sort of IMDB like functionality that's coming. So for other podcasters out there, go to Podchaser.com slash creators. Uh, give us your bio and your photo and stuff. And when that goes live, you will have a creator profile on Podchaser and people will be able to find all the other stuff that you've done. And also you can get a free t-shirt out of it. So awesome. pretty cool shit. If you are of the Apple um, elite, <laughs> I suppose you could call it. Elite? No. <laughs> um, if you're an Apple pleb. <laughs> if you're an Apple pleb like myself and like Ben used to be, uh, you can check us out on iTunes where you can rate, review and subscribe. We've got a website, bitstormcast.com. I'd like to- Thank all our friends and get you to check out their podcast at the AGPN, the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Check out hashtag AGPN on Twitter or the find the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network group on Facebook. Finally, we'd like to thank Kuradust for the awesome song that you hear at the start and end, Mount Defiance, off of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So, thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Highway to the danger zone. Dun, 
That's a different song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise. 